We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. And a belated, of course, Merry Christmas to all of you out there who celebrated. Um, and it was indeed a Merry Christmas for the Knicks, as we will get into soon. But first, I'm going to welcome in my good friend, um, who I will ask what he did on Christmas Day, Jeremy Cohen. How do you spend your Christmas? I went to my girlfriend's parents' place. They had me, my parents, and uh, a family friend of theirs over. We had a great time and it was nice, you know, lovely meal. Although I felt a wisdom tooth grow. That was not fun. It was super weird to... What? Yeah, yeah. So my wisdom teeth are still there. And I thought I was just clenching my jaw without really knowing it. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, wow, there's, there's a tooth that I feel like I haven't felt before. And yeah, it was super weird. So we're family friends with my dentist, our dentist. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just fortunately text her on Christmas. Uh, she's also Jewish. So it's not like she was in the middle of anything. And uh, she's like, yeah, this is, it's fine. Just take Tylenol and Advil and you'll be good. And sure enough, it wore off. So it was, that was the most eventful part of Christmas. So which, Santa brought you a wisdom tooth for Christmas. He did. He did. That's, that's yeah. nice. Um, I got all KFS gear, if anybody's wondering, nice. some of which I'm, I'm wearing right now. Um, I told my wife, just I, I, I literally don't want anything. Just just give me some gear. Um, and a win. And a win, as it were. Yes. Uh, a win is a win is a win. And um, they needed it in the worst way. Um, so I guess that's as good a place to start as any. Um, we'll do a quick. Uh, let's do a quick rundown of, of the week that was. Um, so only three games this week. The Knicks went two and one. Um, actually, before I always think do this, uh, uh, this is not your fault, Andrew. I always think of something before we get to the discussion topics. I just want to spring on Jeremy. So I'm going to do it now. Does this feel like a good week? Sure. But this is again, this, this is kind of the problem with playing teams that are inferior. Yeah. Right. Or at least. And when I say inferior, I mean, the Hawks completely decimated. Who again somehow have escaped the 
national uh, conversation of how they have disappointed and somehow the Knicks. Well, cause- because it's Atlanta and nobody gives a fuck. Sure. But you'd, you'd think that the team that was apparently, or not apparently, but as they, as Vince Carter said, two wins away from making the finals, that them being in the same tier as the Knicks would be not great. And yet, yeah, no one really cares about Atlanta. Uh, so, I, you know, again, this week was fine in the sense that they really should have won the Washington game. I think if you yeah. ask your common Knicks fan, they'll probably say Knicks should have gone three. No, two and one's fine. But against this competition, these teams where the team is at three and zero would have been acceptable. And I get it, you know, two and one is it's fine. It's palatable. I'm happy that they got to that point, but it's hard also to reflect on it and not think like, yeah, you know, that's great. But we could have been sitting here talking about a team that's 16 and 17. That's a little bit closer to that playing territory that, that we would like. So it's just a shame that that one game, kind of threw things out of whack, but otherwise it was, it was fine. Yeah. And the one I was looking at the standings. Um, I, I think there were, there are two reasons why that one game put such a damper on the week. One is because Washington, as it stands right now, I believe we're recording this at seven sixteen on, on Sunday night is in the sixth spot and had the Knicks won, they lost. Uh, I believe the Knicks would be like a, within a, a game or a half a game or something of, of that six spot. Um, one of those two, they, they'd be closer now. They, you know, there's a little bit more of a buffer and two, and this will get us into, um, what we're going to start talking about today, which where the hell else would we start other than with Kemba Walker? Um, they, they wasted that game, you know? And it's like, how, I, I don't know how else you put it other than they wasted a game that was, I don't know. You've been watching, you're not as old as me. You've been watching basketball for a long time. I feel like that one that one ha- is going to stick out for a while for me in terms of individual performances. It should, at least for, from the Kemba standpoint. Yes, yeah. A hundred percent. I, I think back to Mello when he scored 62 at the garden or when yeah. Crawford did it before then, like even Trey Burke scoring like 42 and 11 against uh, what was it? Charlotte. Like those are the types of games where it feels like, Oh, from an individual standpoint, that's really fun. And you hope the team also wins as well. And it's also, I saw a crazy stat online where it was something how apparently Kemba Walker now has surpassed Bradley Beal for the lowest winning percentage when his team, when he scores 40 plus, uh, <laughs> it's insane. which is just nuts. And also goes to show how bad Washington and Charlotte have been. And I guess by extension, maybe Boston a little bit in the Knicks a little bit in this case. Uh. So it's a shame to see that go to waste, but it was still at least fun to watch him explode. And again, I just, we talked about last week, but I think back to the action network report on how the market for Kemba Walker is dead. Yeah. And it's like, again, this guy didn't die. He's still here. He's just hasn't been energized and hasn't been maybe put in the optimal situation, but he's not worthless. And well, it was a very clear indication of why he was not worthless. It's interesting that you, and this is, I mean, so let's, there's stuff that we'll talk about in terms of, you know, decisions and like where we'll get into Randall too and how those two play off of each other and the whole thing, like all the nitty gritty stuff that we usually get into on this podcast. But I feel like it would be disingenuous to start anywhere other than the place where what is going to become, I suspect, here, I'm going to go out on a limb and predict. Kemba Walker's going to have a good game against Minnesota on, uh, when they play on 
Tuesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. I bet she's going to have a good game against Minnesota, who is positively decimated by injuries right now. Uh, by, by uh, excuse me, health and safety protocols. He's going to have a good game. He's going to win the NBA's player of the week this week. I'm just, I'm, or, or the Eastern Conference player of the week. And the moment he does that and wins player of the week, the Tibbs benching is going to go from something that has been burbling as a national story to I, 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 the jump is canceled, right? Whatever the fuck is in place of the jump on ESPN. Well, Malika like, Andrews is taking over. Oh, it's the same show. Yeah. They just, they, they, oh, wow. Okay. I didn't, I didn't realize that they had just renamed, they, they just kept the name and no, it's, well, it's what took its place, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But like, whatever, all of your NBA programming, your, your serious shows, your, your, your NBA TV, like the discussion is going to be, I, if, if that happens and maybe it doesn't, and maybe, maybe it won't, this is my prediction. And we have to sit here and own the fact that when this happened, when he got benched, we all were like, okay, well, obviously he's getting benched. We can't believe that Tibbs actually did it, but he did it and good for him, right? And then things didn't work out so well and they did not play better and Julius Randle did not play better and the defense got worse and the offense got, it was a lot of what we had been seeing up and down, right? I, I don't know if it got better or worse. Um, and now we have what we have in the last four games. So I, I feel like before we get into any of the nitty gritty, we just kind of have to reconcile with the fact that like, how else do you say it? Tom Thibodeau benched a guy who has looked like one of the very best players in the NBA in the four games that he's been back. And if you think that's hyperbolic, I looked up today, um, 26 averaging 26 points, seven assists um, over the last four games. It's Kemba Walker, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Trey Young. And I think two of those guys have played one game. And I think it's Harden has played two games. He's averaging one turnover to go with those seven assists. He is shooting almost 40% from deep. Like, again, incredibly small sample size, incredibly small sample size, four games. He's playing like an all-star in those four games. Tom Thibodeau said, we're good. We don't want any more. Now we're going to get into the reasons why Tom Thibodeau did that and like why it makes sense. And like Julius is rebounding and all that stuff. But like, that's crazy, right? To actually sit here and say it, is it not a little crazy or do, do you not think it's crazy? Oh, it's certainly a bit crazy, but even it, I don't even see it as the Timberwolves game is going to be the thing that gets people talking about it because with all due respect to the Timberwolves, not that many people care about Minnesota, especially when they are as decimated and signing Greg Monroe to 10-day deals. It's the sort of thing where my theory, and this could easily be wrong, I think that Kemba Walker, based on his performance, based on who he is, and because the NBA is very much a narrative-based uh, focus, will win player of the week. He will win Eastern Conference player of the week. And Regardless that, of what he does in the next game. Okay. Yes, and that, I think, will then start the conversation of, yeah, can you believe how Tom Thibodeau benched that guy, the guy who just won player of the week, or at the very least, he's going to be nominated. Um, and as you said, the people who he's going against have been missing time. Kevin Durant has missed, he missed the Lakers game. He's going to be missing the Clippers game. So it certainly will be there. Should it be there or not? Do we, should we just dive into it? I, so I, <laughs> If the answer is no, it shouldn't be there. What's the leg to stand on if you say no? 
it shouldn't be there because it, the like to stand on is is the logical reasons, right? Is the whole st- un- starting unit was struggling of the different people that could have been benched, right? Well, first of all, uh, Mitchell Robinson was benched before uh, Kemba Walker was benched, and then th- then you're left with three guys: Julius Randle, who's not getting benched, R.J. Barrett, former number three pick in the draft. I guess perhaps could have benched him. I, you know, okay. There's, there's, there would be a whole lot of waves to to come out of that. And then the guy you just signed for, for three years at $18 million a year in Evan Fournier. Um, That along with the whole, like, it was pretty clear that Kemba as an alpha and Julius as an alpha couldn't make their alpha-ness work together and the whole was less than the sum of the parts and it would make sense to take one of those two out of the equation and obviously uh, of those two it's going to be Kemba and then there was the question of like okay well do you put Kemba on the bench or do you do you just take him out of the rotation altogether and I I mean I don't know like if he had put Kemba on the bench to play like 10-15 minutes a game would that have would that have made it Better work. I mean, it would have made it not as bad as I think it's going to be at the same time. And then there's the, but then the one part, final part of the story is the, I think the, the Kevin Knox of it all. Um, again, Derek Rose was healthy. Emmanuel quickly was healthy, but it's still just the appearance of Kevin Knox getting off the bench while Kemba sat there. It, it just, that I that is, I think is what drove the stake fully in. So when you combine all of that, um, I, I I don't know how this doesn't become a story, and I don't know how it probably shouldn't. It 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 has to be. He's played that well, even if all the logical reasons were there. It was it was a bad decision, right? Well, that's the thing, and you hit the nail right on the head. And I was going to say the same thing: how by process of elimination, you're not going to take Randall. It's not going to be RJ. It's not going to be Fournier. And you tried Mitch by inserting Noel in there instead. So it leaves you with one option. That didn't work, <laughs> right? And we know that Tibbs didn't want to start Derrick Rose. No. Uh, and also, if, if you are listening to this and you're of the belief that Derrick Rose was injured because Tom Thibodeau was giving him too many minutes or overusing him. That has already been debunked by Ian Begley. It's just not the case. I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, Tibbs also likes the fact that quickly has been playing with Derrick Rose before the injury. So he wasn't going to elevate him to the starting lineup. And we know Tibbs, he's not going to start Deuce McBride uh, because with all due respect to Deuce, I think there's one thing to take Kemba Walker out of the rotation completely. It's another thing to take him out and then put a rookie with less than... 30 minutes worth of career experience into the starting slot. So, and if you're going to put Kemba and not elevate either quickly or Rose, then are you rolling with a three guard lineup while you have Alec Burke starting? It just, it's a mess. So I think from a talent standpoint, in hindsight, for me, at least, yeah, Kemba should not have been taken out of the rotation completely, but in terms of how he fit, there were question marks and it was all about, defense as well. The the perimeter defense is still terrible. The point of attack defense needs a lot of work and having Kemba and Fournier together, it's clearly not working, but a bigger thing is also, you know, if you want to talk about how it's working with Randall, one of the biggest factors was that Kemba coming in, it was going to be great. The Knicks have a point guard who can penetrate and he can make something happen by driving the lane. 
And Kemba wasn't doing that. No. There was a lot of ugly, clunky basketball where the offensive rating was great because the Knicks were hitting threes at a really high clip. The early offensive rating and yes. then the offensive rating tanked over the last five, six. I mean, it was going downhill the, the, it was. before coming up. Sure. And at the end of the day, there will be people who point to, you know, all of the stats and everything. And then there will be people who point to the record, the wins and the losses. And I honestly can't fault the people who are saying, well, the Knicks were better with Kemba because they won games versus games. They didn't have Kemba where they lost games. I think that's valid. Um, I think it's also when you look at the opponents, like, and this isn't to put down Kemba Walker, for example, but like, yeah, I would hope that the Knicks, whether they're playing Kemba Walker or not, are beating the decimated Atlanta Hawks. I would hope they are playing and dominating against the Detroit Pistons. That's not a shot at Kemba. It's just the situation. Well, and he yet I have well. little confidence in them that they could beat anyone that they could have beaten anyone before Kemba came back. That's how down I was feeling about this team. And that's honestly how down I was feeling about them. Even after the, uh, the Washington game, because outside of Kemba, nobody played well. Right. And now here's the thing I was looking at it. So mind you, it's a very small sample size that we've had with Kemba coming back. But before Kemba was benched, he played in 18 games. Yeah. He had 7.4 drives per game. Uh, mm-hmm. He was shooting 49.1% on those drives. He was getting to the free throw line uh, 0.7 times. And he had a pass percentage out of drives of 47. Uh, and also he Very was turning high. over the ball on 6% on these drives. If you look at the four games since he's come back, he's up to 15.3 drives per game, 57.1 shooting on those drives, two free throw attempts, 52.5% passing, out of them and 3.3% turnovers. Now there's something to keep in mind here. Kemba played 24.5 minutes per game in the first 18 games. He played 42 <laughs> minutes per game in the last four. So naturally one number is going to seem larger than the other, but if you take the drives per minute, yeah. um, Kemba drove once every 3.31 minutes per game beforehand. And now he's driving once every 2.63 minutes per game now. So that's just the sort of thing where we can talk about Julius who, by the way, I mean, he was God awful against the wizards and he was great against the Hawks. I had one of his best games we've seen as a Nick in a while. But to me, the biggest difference was that he made shots and in a make or miss league. That is really the key thing here. Like if he makes those shots against the wizards, the Knicks probably don't lose. If Fournier hits those shots, Probably doesn't happen if the Knicks have some semblance of a pick and roll defense, especially with Fournier, with Mitchell Robinson. Um, I think their half court defense was in the third percentile. It was sandwiched in between two games where their half court defenses were in the 90th percentile. So it was very ugly, obviously, that Washington game. But it just goes to show that things are happening when Kemba is driving and attacking. But I think the biggest thing that's shocking to me, at least, is that there are three games this season, John, where Kemba has had his usage rate be in the 70th percentile or higher. Okay. And the Knicks are 0-3 in each of those games. Uh, there are the, the Charlotte game, I'm assuming, is one of them where he went yeah. home to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the, the, uh, the game that they just lost to Washington. And is it the Boston game was the other one? Uh, yes, that's correct. The career um, okay. Yes. So those are the three. But then when you consider the games where Kemba played and his usage rate was not quite as high, which is 19 of them, the Knicks were 12 and seven. So Kemba doesn't need to be 
the guy who scored 44 points. It helps. And the Knicks certainly didn't pick him up because let's face it. It's not like Kemba lost. It's not like the Knicks lost because of his high usage rate. They just weren't hitting the shots and they weren't defending. But it also goes to question of, well, maybe some less is more when it comes to Kemba Walker, where he doesn't have to do everything. He doesn't have to do a lot. He just has to drive and basically kind of, I, I hate to say it, but like, Fill that Alfred Payton role with a better player who is not named Alfred Payton. I, I a guy who just slashes and can convert and can actually pull up from deep and and kicks when he needs to. Like that is ideal for what can work around Julius Randle. He he needs to be Kemba Walker, but he needs to be Kemba Walker with the knowledge that I have a guy alongside of me that can actually get shit done if I give him the opportunity to get shit done. And I say that with some trepidation because Julius Randle has not been a guy who has gotten much of anything done this season because Julius Randle has forgotten that he's a guy who could get stuff done Um, because he's, as we've talked about every week on this show, he's so far into his own head where he's, he's whatever the phrase is, lost the forest for the trees, trying to accommodate everybody else. Just like Kemba Walker was trying to accommodate everybody else. When he first got here, it was a vicious cycle. It didn't work out. That's what got Kemba benched. I believe far more than the defense um, is the fact that I just, I want to interject one thing because I have been thinking about it. You brought it up. We think about how Randall takes over these games and it incenses us that he's doing this because there are other players on the court and he doesn't have to be a number one option. But what if Randall also doesn't want to be a number one option to that degree? What if he wants, he talked about how he found joy playing basketball on this Christmas day game. And it was likely because he wasn't responsible for doing everything. And I just can't help but wonder if maybe there's a part of Randall who feels he has to take over games because he can't trust a player like Mitchell Robinson on the offensive end, where RJ Barrett might still be very green in various areas where it wasn't working with Evan Fournier and, and it was clunky with Kemba Walker or Alec Burks, who just wasn't working as a point guard. I just feel like maybe we need to consider the fact that even though Randall's a high usage and he wants to be the guy, maybe he is also keenly aware of his limitations and then tries to do too much, not because he wants to, but because he feels that feels he, like he has to. to. I, a, I think this was something I was thinking about. No, I, this is <laughs> what it goes, should go without saying. This is not a black and white conversation. This is this, this lives squarely in the gray. And I think the reason why the benching occurred was because there was no sign that these two players were getting closer to any sort of synergy. If anything, it seemed like they were moving further away from some inkling of symmetry that they had uh, synergy, excuse me, that they had at the beginning of the season. And then that was, it was fading and fading and fading and fading. Um, and then the decision was made to bench him, which is why, again, Tibbs is going to get killed for this. And it's going to become a story to anybody who remembers those games and watch those games. Now, you could you could turn around and say, well, Tibbs is the coach. It's on him to to go to these guys and be like, listen, you're Kemba fucking Walker. You're Julius fucking Randall. Just do 
what you know how to do and stop worrying about the other guy. And I'm not saying they were only worried about each other. Like they were worried generally about accommodating everybody and trying to be the good teammate. And by the way, you know how I know this? Because Kevin Walker fucking told me <laughs> after the game on Christmas, he said, I wasn't playing. I forget what the exact words were, but it was essentially, I wasn't playing aggressive. I wasn't being myself. I was, I was worried about stepping on other people's toes. And now obviously He's not worried about that anymore. And I think what have even against the decimated Hawks team, what has me so encouraged about the Christmas game and look famous last words, we'll see, watch them go like, you know, Oh, and three this week. Um, is it, it seemed like for the first time you nailed it, Jeremy Julius was allowing Kemba to make life easier for him as that game went on. And again, the Knicks won this game by whatever they won it by 14 or so points. It Walker did not shoot well. Actually, a lot of the Knicks did not shoot well. <laughs> like, yes, they made 20 of 50 from three. Helps when you shoot 53s. But the nice thing was those three-pointers were coming in rhythm. And a lot of those rhythm three-pointers were coming because Kemba Walker was, was, as you were saying, driving and kicking. Now, it's a huge difference between him and Alfred Payton that he could hitting off the dribble three. And you know, I was not comparing. Yes, I, I know. It's the role. Uh, it's that's, I mean, that, that is literally, that's the first domino that has to fall. Once that domino falls and then you add, and shout out to Ben Ritholtz, who had an excellent threat on this on Sunday, the Mitchell Robinson um, lob threat is a domino. The Julius actually making the open three in rhythm is a domino. All of these things are dominoes. Um, but Kemba's the first one. He has to get it started. And he did. And now you know, we're here. I mean, we, there's a couple other points that I guess we should touch on is Kemba back in the starting five to say, do you think there's any, what do you think would have to happen for him to not be in the starting? Five? I don't think like, I'm not even going to say it because of obviously how common it's been. Yeah, I know, but it, you know, listen, it will not be a coaching decision for why Kemba Walker will be removed from the starting lineup. And at this point it's like, okay, cool. Your choices are Emmanuel quickly coming back from COVID Deuce McBride coming back from COVID and continuing the Alec Burks point guard experience, which is not working. And he's much better as a more versatile wing who can play off ball and also pull up when he has the ball. There's no one else who can fill the void right now and nor should anyone. He has the right to continue starting for this team. Yes. Um, and for that reason, and just to check another box off, I don't think they're going to trade him. Um, look, Crazier things have happened, right? I, if he's, if this is how he's going to keep playing, well, it's actually one of two things, right? If this is how he's going to keep playing, the Knicks are not going to trade him because the Knicks are not giving up on this season and he's helping them win games. And if he stops playing at this and he goes back to playing poorly or being tentative or whatever the case may be, then he's not going to have any trade value. So I don't think in either scenario, they're going to trade. Do, do you foresee a scenario where they, where they trade him? If we had talked about this a week, a week and a half ago, I would have said he'll easily be dealt. He's not in the rotation, of course. Now I'm much more, I've swung back. It's funny how these things can change so quickly. Uh, now it's the sort of thing where, no, I don't see them trading him unless the Knicks have fallen far outside of the playoff race to the point where they say, maybe we can do better in some manner between the end of the trade deadline and the beginning of next year for finding another point guard. Maybe he has so much value that his stock is, you know, Marcus Morris like, but at this point, I don't I, necessarily see that happening. And I think that's okay. If you're going to see Kemba Walker continue to play like, I, he's, like there's value to this player. 
if his stock was that high, there's almost no chance the Knicks would be out of the play-in race. And if they're not out of the play-in race, then they're not dealing him for like well, some for, like late first-round pick. It depends, right? I mean, if we see more games like the Wizards game, where Kemba is by far the best player on the court, and everyone else is disappointing him, I, I, yeah. If the Knicks I are guess playing against possible. better like, opponents, I, I just don't. Just, I don't see it. I hear you, I, and I'm with you. But I, I'm just I'll, saying that if that opportunity presented itself, then I think you could entertain he, it much more likely. At this point now, it's almost like I don't know. Do you consider trading for a center? Uh, do you consider? Flipping Alec Burks if it means you can also get Quentin Grimes more time. Well, and maybe even Deuce McBride. Like, how does that work? That is much more of the angle that I am fascinated by than the Kemba Walker uh, situation as things currently stand, which well, could also change in a week by considering I, how things have been going. It could, but I, I don't know, man. Maybe famous last words. I think this is, I think this is the Kemba we're going to see. Moving forward, I mean, is he is he above going into a shooting slump? No, I don't think he is. Very few players are above going into a shooting slump. But in terms of this version of him, if only because I think we kind of saw this in Boston last year, like he got off to a slow start in Boston and, you know, his he was still signed to that contract. So there was no thought of benching him and he kind of played his way through it. It never it never really gelled. With those guys, we'll see if it continues to gel with Julius, which is a good transition. So, you know, the notion that this is now going to be a more Kemba-centric offense, um, I don't know how you don't like it just from an eye test, you know, point of view. Um, it just it 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 just makes a lot more sense. Um, I don't think Julius minds uh, one bit, as you were saying. Um, I um. The the only way I could see someone disliking this is if they were like Kemba's mopping up so much usage that like Emmanuel quickly or like Deuce McBride, like they should be running the show because that's in furtherance of like the long-term development. But like that's not an option right now. They are they are 33 games into this season. That's a game 63 type of thing. Like we're going to turn off over the offense a little bit more to these kids. They're not doing that now. If it's not a Kemba offense, it's going to be a Julius offense. If it's not a Julius offense. It's going to be a Kemba offense. That's right. Am I wrong about that? I think that's fair. Yeah. And you know, the second unit again, it's a sort of thing where I'm all for development, but then also like is having RJ Barrett with Kemba Walker going to help with RJ's development. Look at what we saw with Obi top and really without a point guard, in the Washington game, uh, he was running a lot, but he needed a floor general to help work with him. And he didn't have that in quickly. And Kemba, I believe was sitting for the most part for when Obi would come in. And then we saw some of Obi and Kemba working, especially that dunk where Obi cut to the basket, which is something as we've talked about the Knicks sorely need more cutters, especially with their big men that worked. And so if you can get these guys going and still use Kemba and still find a way to win, then if it's at, you know, if it's a few more games or, and by a few, I mean more like 20 to 30, maybe even 50, 49, I guess. Cause that's how long the season where we don't see a lot of deuce. I'm not thrilled about it, but at the same time, I totally understand it. And I, I also reluctantly have to say, yeah, go with the option that has Kemba Walker. If it gives you the better chance, the bigger problem for me is, and, and you know, I don't feel this 
necessarily sink in and take over, right? I want the Knicks to win. I do. I'm tired of watching this team be a basement dweller yeah. and hunting for a lot. Uh, of- I'm with you. The tough part is that being on Twitter as well, the lows are low and the highs are high. And when the Knicks lose a game, it feels like, well, why are they trying? You know, and when they win a game, it's, well, how could we even imagine them trying to, to get a higher seed? So you just have to look at these games and larger segments. And if Kemba in a larger segment is what's helping to make this Knicks team still feel fresh after a great year last year, um, then that at the end of the day means more to me than getting a younger player who's buried at the bench some more time. But these we, things we, clear themselves up anyway. I mean, Derek Rose was injured and we kind of knew at some point he'd be hurt. Kemba, his knees are not 100%. So these things will shake out how they do. And, and it probably will work out in the long run. We don't need to have a tanking discussion right now. Um, Nor was that an introduction for us to have it. Yeah, no, but it's, it, look, it, it's it's like, um, you know, it's like when you're married and you and you look at a, another woman across the street. It's okay, look. Yeah, it doesn't sound. No touching. That's it. No, no touching. Um, no, I mean it's like look. That's there. There will there are will be people out there who every day that that you know Deuce McBride and Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin don't play. You know, thirty five minutes are going to be um, you know clutching pearls, and that's fine. There's always going to be that subset of people out there. I'm not of that group. You're not of that group. If you have a chance to get in and play meaningful, even if it's just play in games, like for this franchise, especially, I think we're, we're in agreement that that's um, valuable if you can get that. And Oh, by the way, you know, quickly Toppin um, didn't play the most meaningful minutes or sorry, didn't play the most minutes last season, but the minutes that they played were meaningful. Look at how those players have progressed. Um, I, I am, I tend to, feel okay about giving this front office and this coaching staff the benefit of the doubt when it comes to how they're uh, developing players, um, you know, with the whole accountability thing. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I think we have... Thank you, Andrew Claudio, for this. I think we have six possible Julius narratives. So we're going to pick... Should we, Andrew, Let's. Uh, can I get you in here? Should we pick one or should we rank our top three Julius narratives at this point in the season? Go ahead and rank your top three. All right. So let's we'll go list through. all of them. First of all, let's, and yeah. then pick one. Yeah. Well, I think you should play for this one as well. Um, okay. Okay. So here are the six narratives. Julius only plays well when there are no fans in attendance. Narrative number one. Narrative number two. Julius only plays well. When all fans are in attendance, including a national audience. I like what you did there. Mm-hmm. Uh, narrative number three. Julius only plays well when his hair is braided. There it is. Right there. Mm-hmm. Um, number four. Julius only plays well when the all-star game voting is occurring. All-star game voting started yesterday? Yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. There you go. On Christmas. Um, narrative number five. Julius only plays well when he's mic'd up. And then finally... Julius only plays well when he does uh, doesn't have to do everything on off. When he does have to do everything on offense and has Kemba to run at half the time. No, when he doesn't have to do everything on offense. It's a typo, yeah. When he doesn't have to do everything yeah, on yeah, offense yeah. and can turn to somebody else to run things half the time. Um, I'll I'll give I'll give my top three. This is how we genuinely feel, or how we're, we're ranking the like a, by absurdity. This is a playful question more than anything else, John, but I think that there has been a lot of things said, and I felt this yesterday during the post game of why it, is it that when Julius is has it working, it's in front of national audiences. And I think the X's and O's that is much more of an intelligent conversation that you guys usually have will point to why it's actually working. And this is where like, okay, fine. If his hair's braided, but he also has a point guard on the floor that's able to make sure he's not, you know, suffocating every time he sees a double team, then that's probably how it works best. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I, for me, the number one has, is the national TV. I, I think he gets up for these, for these games. And I, would you happen to have a stat that would reflect that John? Oh, wait, that's what I said. You guys didn't. Yes. <laughs> that's why I set that up for you. <laughs> Hold on. I forgot about that. Now I have to go find the tweet. Um, do you want to go? Will I look this up? Jeremy, what would your narratives be? What would your I'll narrative order my be? My least favorite narrative is the idea that he only plays well when no fans are in attendance because last season was very much an anomaly. And so using that and putting it over the rest of it. It's like, oh, well, the rest of his career is basically screwed. So I'm I'm going to go with the all, you know, all fans in attendance, including a national audience. But like, yeah, the lights shine brightest for him and he's great. But that's also what happens when you go to a blue chip school like Kentucky and you play for a pretty damn good team with a great coach. And then you go to Los Angeles and you play next to Kobe Bryant. 
And then you come to New York and you have, well, I mean, there's a stop in New Orleans in between, but mm-hmm. you go to New York and the first year is not so great. And you also have Mr. Potato Head, who's coaching, as we've seen, <laughs> uh, is a brilliant mind, uh, you know, almost, almost, you know, won that one, Dave, but mm-hmm. not quite with, uh, with last night's game. But then he comes to New York and deals with a lot of crap. Some of it, which was very much on his own. And then turns around and has a remarkable all NBA season. And this year is not certainly as well, but again, it's a make or miss league. So I'm going to go with the one that takes away, or I'm going to ignore the one that has no fans and focus yeah. on the ones where uh, fans are in attendance and there's a national uh, audience that's watching. So here, my, here's this just real quick. It's my least favorite subset of Twitter of Nick's Twitter is the Julius is a only good when it's like an LA fitness type of performance. He's only good when there's no fans in attendance as if he's never had a good game in his career, as if there were no fans in attendance ever last year, as if they haven't had like, which is it the no fans or only when the national games are being played when he turns into a different player as John is about to tell us. Yeah. So this Lunas uh, sent me this um, and this is, so Lunas sent me the tweet by Max Wildstein, uh, 10 national TV games. I, I, I have, I did not have time to confirm this today, but I trust Max um, 10 national TV games this year. Um, 25 and a half points, 10 and a half rebounds, 5.7 assists, 48% from the field, 41.7% from deep 23 non-national TV games, 17 and a half points, nine and a half rebounds, four and a half, 4.8 assists. 39.8 from the field, 29.8 from three, a 12 point drop off from three. Um, so it is, that's why it's my number one narrative. It's why it's, I think it's all of our number one narratives. However, I will say this. I think the Kemba thing is going to be a very close number two for me um, because I, I believe everything I said before, I believe that there is the, the inklings or the, 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 the slightest signs of synergy starting between the two of them. And I think the reason is because that's what happens when you hit rock bottom. And I think Julius had hit rock. I think this team had hit rock bottom. I think the conversation around the team had hit rock bottom. Kemba was on the bench when he got back in there. Do you think he was going to think twice about being like, you know what? Fuck this. If this is the last chance I get to play basketball, I'm going to let it, you know, and I think hopefully it's just the beginning. So we'll see. Critics, by the way, would point to last season and how the Knicks performed in the playoffs as reason for why he did shrink when the light was at its strongest. Uh, But I would then say, sure, that's fair. But then consider again the fact that he started games, especially in the beginning of the series with Alfred Payton, Reggie Bullock, RJ Barrett, Nerlens Noel. Uh, One of those guys is really good at creating Uh, the rest not so much. Uh, and it's pretty easy to to zone in on or to zero in on Julius Randle because he's the hub of the offense. And then, of course, you bring D. Rose off, who's great. But then that's a drop off for the second year. So, you know, he's not LeBron. He's not going to carry this team like the Cleveland Cavaliers in what, 2018, 19, 2017, 18, when they were just a shell of themselves. But I think it's also him trying to do too much. And this game against the Hawks on Christmas was an example of him doing the right amount while also being there for a national TV audience. Yeah, 
Um, I think that's good. Okay. So I think we're all on the same page with the narrative stuff. Let's, um, let's move on to Grimes real quick before we get to, I'm going to do uh, one quick thing before we get to our game ball, but on Grimes, you brought it up before in terms of the options that it gives this team. So interestingly enough, um, Alec Burks has been struggling a little bit, um, recently. Um, I still think he, he has an argument for being, you know, one of the top two players on the team throughout the year. Um, struggling right now, but I think more importantly, Grimes has emerged as a guy who can play meaningful minutes for this team. Um, he took, uh, f- uh, 12 threes on the Christmas game. He made five of them, um, go back to his last game. He played before he went into health and safety protocols. That give, gives him 12 made threes over those two games. Um, I looked it up, uh, just before, um, out of 398 players who have played at least 100 minutes this season, um, Grimes' three-point attempts per 36 minutes. Where do you, you want to take a guess of where that ranks? I would say towards the top. Yes, it is eighth. Uh, over, over 11 threes attempted per 36 minutes. He is firing without any um, conscience. Um, and uh, it's been going in a lot. So... You know, I think he's a safe bet to stay in the rotation. I would assume you agree. I yeah. would. Um, Burks is because let's just run through. They're not trading one of the, I don't think they're going to trade one of the kids. It's not like th- this is going to be like embolden them to be like, oh, great. Now we can trade Emmanuel quickly. I think those are, those are two very different players. And I think they each kind of fit a role. Um, it's interesting. Grimes is like, Grimes actually reminds me a lot of Bullock. He can put the ball on the floor, but I mean, really, his what does he want to do? He wants to just catch the ball and he wants to fire away and he wants to play his ass off on defense. But I, you know. But is that for the role he's currently cast in or is that the role he could have? I, like, I, I still think there's a bit more creation in his bones than there might be for Bullock. The, 100%. He just yes. doesn't have that opportunity quite yet to show it. And I think well, I, we'll get there. Like, and he he's did, put the he ball on the floor for the, for the one few game, times uh, where he went off and then went into health and safety protocol. But, but yeah, I, I think there's still more opportunity for him to, I know you're not, you know, yeah. tapping where his growth is, but I think he'll get there. It's just right now he's confined to more of the block role and it's certainly working for him. I, to me, it comes down to what you were saying before, which is if you can now use Burks to maybe upgrade the center spot. I wonder, I mean, Burks and Noel is, was about 20, 20 million on the dot, right? Uh, a little give, less. Give, give, okay, a little less than twenty million on the dot. So, well, it's it's Burke's got the mid level, which is about or the equivalent of the mid level, which yeah, which is about, about ten point five, yeah. And then Noel got eight point eight, so yeah. that's eighteen point three. But again, oh. that, that gets you a salary. Just those two guys gets you from thirteen million to a bit more because it gets the math gets wonkier once you get past nineteen point six million. So yes. it, it's Still, that's that's a high quality starter that you can hopefully get if you then sprinkle in some other things. Goes back to the question of what those other things are. Yeah. Um, listen, Indy, you want those two guys, Rokas, Dallas pick, Charlotte pick. The world is yours, Indy. The world is yours. Um, we'll, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Uh, last thing before we give game balls very quickly. I was looking at this today. We don't have to talk about it. I just thought it was interesting. So cleaning the glass um, has their... Uh, expected wins uh, metric, which is based on um, point differential. And for anybody who doesn't 
no cleaning the glass. They filter out garbage time. So they, they just do their, their point differentials based on like the, the minutes that actually uh, matter in the game. Um, you want to take a guess what the Knicks expected 82 win number is based on their point differential right now? The record is 15 and 18 so far. Uh, their the their record is 15 and 18 right now. So based on their, again, the point differential that filters out garbage time, what is cleaning the glass say is their expected wins for an eight, this 82 game season? Um, well, I'd say they're maybe 16 and 17 now. Or are you saying, I'm sorry, you're saying expected wins for the whole season? What the, what the pace? You can tell me on? either what, 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 what cleaning the glass thinks they should be in terms of wins right now and what cleaning the glass says they're going to be in terms of how many wins they'll end up with based on the point or how many wins they should end up with for the year based on their point differential. I'll say 16 wins now and they think they'll go 40 and 42. Okay. You're a hair low on both 16 and a half wins. So they've underperformed uh, by a, a game and a half based on their point differential. And um, they expect them to have a little over 41 wins. Do you happen to remember what the Vegas over under number was? I do indeed. It was 41 and a half. <laughs> yes, it was. So by this one metric, at least, and it's not a crazy metric. It's just basically it's point differential filtering out garbage time. The Knicks are basically about what, you know, the odds makers thought they would be a corollary to this. And then you can let me know if you have any thoughts. Um, cleaning the glass also, uh, again, does the same thing, filters out garbage time. And, and when it does its offensive and defensive ratings, um, there are three teams. Actually, sorry. There are two teams that have improved their offensive rating ranking from last season to this season more than the Knicks, the Warriors and the Hornets. The Knicks are tied for third in terms of jumps uh, with the Chicago Bulls, both the Bulls and the Knicks. Again, as we're talking right now before tonight's games, and I don't even know if the Bulls play tonight, but whatever. Um, some other teams may make these rankings change a hair, but probably not. Both of those teams have jumped up 11 spots. The Knicks went from 24th ranked offense uh, last year to the 13th ranked offense as of right now. What did everybody say this summer? Well, the Knicks are sacrificing defense for offense. Well, lo and behold, it worked. Like their offense has jumped up. Does it feel like that? Of course, it doesn't feel like that. And people are listening to this and be like, I take your advanced, advanced fancy stats and you know, show them where the sun don't shine. That's fine. I just, I, I wanted to throw this out there because it's like, we have been collectively apoplectic this season um, through 33 games. And like, you know, yes, the defense is, is not great, but on the whole, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe this is not as bad a season as we, we think it is. I think that's very possible. Again, it's where the expectations are nationally and where we as fans were generally more optimistic kind of yes. why. Again, there, there were fans and it's not like, oh, I'm not admonishing anyone. It's just in general. Fans who I saw were saying 48, 49, 50 wins. And I, I personally am just thinking, wins. right. And I personally am just thinking like, I can't get there. I, I, as I've said, <clears throat> I would be very happy with 43 and above because it means that I recoup the money that I have uh, bet on for over under 43. But do I think the Knicks will you know, get to 43? That's, that was a thought. It was a prevailing thought. I wouldn't have made the bet if I didn't think they could. But there's also something uh, called shot quality. Maybe some of you have seen them on Twitter. So shot quality looks at the quality of a team's shots and sees where they lie and 
it's fascinating because it shows the difference between how a team scores and how they score in terms of the quality of the shot. So basically the Knicks this season are 15 and 18. Yet if you go by shot qualities metrics, the Knicks would be based on the shots they're taking uh, 17 and 16, which would be good for eighth place in the East and would be a game and a half out from fourth place. So that's, that sounds about right. It's, I think a big advantage for a lot of the other teams that are ahead of the Knicks is that most of their core has good talent that has played together. And the Knicks have some good talent, but they haven't played a lot together. You can point to various tandems, you know, RJ and Randall, obviously, and, and Mitch for a period of time, but, uh, and then separately Kemba and Fournier in a different system. But when you kind of incorporate everyone together, like, yeah, you could look at Miami, but again, Bam and Jimmy and and Tyler Harrow went to a finals. Throwing Kyle Lowry into it, it helped them, but it's not like it certainly changed everything and they had to completely regroup. Um, well, so, but it's teams like that where they have an advantage of being of consistency and continuity that the Knicks didn't really have, and they're working on it. And it shows, and it's certainly coming through a bit more, and hopefully it stays that way. Um, because at the bottom line is the 16 game stretch that we've talked about, the easy one where the Knicks are now two and one. If the Knicks want to get to 500 by the end of that stretch, they need to go 10 and six from here on out. It would be eight and five. So eight and five over the next 13 games gets you to 500. Let's even be more specific. And we'll, I'll, I'll get to it when we get to our predictions. The next four games are going to tell us a lot. It's a four game road trip. And then things get a little dicier. Um, Actually, you could argue things get a little dicier at the end of the road trip, but we'll save that for a bit. Okay. Let's give out some game balls um, and, and some detentions. Uh, I mean, this is easy. Yeah. I mean, do you want, do you want to just both give it to Kemba? Is that, uh, Oh, not Damien dots. Okay. Yeah. No, Kemba works. It's, that's fine. Sure. No, no, no. You're right, John. You're right. We're good. Uh, yes. Kemba. Walker. Well, I, let's make this a little interesting. So Kemba has gotten a ton of praise for deservedly. So I just want to be very clear for how he handled the benching. Um, being an enthusiastic teammate, um, again, it, offering in the post game after Christmas that it, this, the benching may have been a blessing in disguise. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, maybe he actually believes that. Uh, it wasn't working and now it's working. That, yes, at the end I, of the day, and look, again, he wasn't the only reason why it wasn't working, but it wasn't working. And now it appears to be working and he looks different from how he was beforehand. I think that's the other thing to consider with tips, which we sort of touched on, but like whatever it I, was, it didn't work in the meantime, but it's worked after is Kemba the same player. If he stays in the starting lineup, maybe, maybe not. We won't really know. No, we, we won't. And I, I, I don't know. There's nothing to really talk about here. I guess I'm just like, you know, Ian Bagley had the report. Uh, I think it was actually on Christmas, right? That um, some, some players were uh, what was the actual phrasing uh, thought that the decision-making process, which got Kemba Walker benched was perhaps not, um, not equitable or, or showed, you know, some favoritism or 
right? Um, uh, I, I'm mixing up the exact words that Ian used, which I shouldn't do. But I, I have it in front of me. It's uh, what, what did he say? He said it's worth noting that some players felt the decision to bench Walker showed an inconsistency, inconsistency. because all players weren't being held to the same standard, which is a hundred percent fair. It's a thousand percent. Yes, I, I, there is still. I mean, winning cures everything. There is still the potential for discord, I think, within this team and this locker room. I don't think any, I don't think it's an issue right now. And I do think the front office is sturdy and believes in Tibbs and the whole thing. I just like Kemba has a chance to really, to really galvanize this team if he continues to, as it seems like he's doing approach this thing the the way he's he's i was going to say the right way but i I, you know he's i think you could argue he's going above and beyond i'll just i'll be very curious to see how if any more of these sorts of stories come out like how the how the mentality is or what what the vibe is because right now the vibe seems good and i think it needs to stay that way that's the only thing I, I, i wanted to say agreed yeah um, okay, detention this week. A little harder, actually. This is the first time I feel like we've had it. I'm really detention. struggling with who to pick at this point because everyone's had some sort of good game where the sample size is just too small for them to really be judged. Yeah. Accordingly. Um, I put Tibbs in detention last week. Did I not? You did. Do we want to keep Tibbs in detention? It's <laughs> just laughing. Listen, I'm not going to stop you from putting Tibbs into detention. I, look, um, you have to live with your. It's it's a. Um, I mean the Parcell, the Parcells quote doesn't exactly fit here. You are what your record says you are, but if the guy that you said to take his ball and go home for ten games has now come out and looked like he has. Um, you know, that's, that's just, that's, that is a thing that happened. It, it cannot be argued with. It is, it is a, it is an occurrence that took place in the world. Um, yeah, God, I feel bad giving it to Tibbs. I really do. You know, no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give it to the goddamn COVID. That's who's getting my detention this week <laughs> because I'm, I'm I miss seeing the kids play. Yeah, I miss seeing the kids play. That's who gets the detention. COVID gets the detention. Go in a locked room for a week. COVID. I hate to break it to you, John. I do not think COVID's going to stay in there. It doesn't have a choice. I just, I just put it in detention. Yeah, well, I think we out, have a choice. So what COVID does. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Jeremy, you it uh, uh, the floor is yours. All right. I, this is a tough one because you could go down the roster and look at the players who played and feel like everyone put together better effort on the whole. And it feels like it's nitpicking. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to say a player, but I'm also going to provide some context. Oh my goodness. What are you going to (laughs) do? So I'm going to say Evan Fournier here. Oh, that's Uh, fine. Right, no, totally. Listen, because he can get he, fucking he shat the bed. He shat the bed <laughs> yeah. shooting. It was abysmal, all that thing. But I, the reason I want to give context here is again, I want to make it clear he did not have a good Wizards game. I thought he played very good defense on Kate Cunningham. Uh, and again, I'm not going to put Mitch in the doghouse 
because he didn't have a great Hawks game when he had a fantastic game against the Pistons. So the thing with, uh, with Fournier here though, again, I understand the mindset that a lot of fans have, which is like trade Julius Randall, February 3rd trade Evan Fournier as soon as you can well, yesterday. Yeah. Again, guys, like, Assuming that doesn't happen, we have to learn how to live with it. It's kind of like COVID. We need to figure out a way to get around the situation and rectify it. And you're not going to bench Evan Fournier. But the reason I wanted to bring him up is that this season, Fournier is shooting. These are his numbers. uh, 13.2 points per game, 2.8 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 0.9 steals, 0.2 blocks, 1.3 turnovers. And then the shooting splits are 41.3. 36.7, 77.3 on 53.8 true shooting percentage. I know I just threw a lot, but let's look at his last 16 games. I'm I was about excusing, to, I was, you read my mind. I was about to look it up. I'm not going to excuse his defense. That has been absolute shit. Uh, clearly there is a child in the background. There's, a, there's not only a child in the background. There's a child wearing a full Sophia costume. Wow. I do, you probably don't even know who Sophia is. Sophia. Sophia the first. I do not. She's a princess that exists on Netflix exclusively. Ah, very cool. I love how Judd said Sophia the first that Jeremy was supposed to. Oh, the first. Oh, is that I only totally know Sophia t- the third. Right. Well, no, it's part <laughs> of the kitchen. The grandmother was. It's there. it's part of the kitchen of the show because she's a commoner ah. that is tr- like transformed into a princess out of nowhere. Uh, I forget why, but it, so she's the first of her line. So it's like Cinderella, but it isn't Cinderella because it's. Uh, well, she also doesn't have blonde hair. She is a, she's a brunette. Well, and there's there also go. some right. magic involved, but I, I digress. Okay, so right. as opposed to Cinderella, where no magic is involved and pumpkins and anything. But Speaking anyways, of magic, on. how about yes. Evan Fournier's last so, 16 games? Exactly. So since the Lakers game, Evan Fournier's last 16 games have been 14.5 points per game, 2.7 rebounds, 1.7 assists, 0.8 steals, 0.3 blocks, 1.5 turnovers, 42, 37. Actually, it's really. 42, 38, 81 shooting splits with a true shooting percentage, 54.9. If you want to match that with his career, his career shooting as a whole and and scoring, he's actually about on par with his career. So he's 0.2 points per game higher, 0.1 rebound lower. Uh, If the assists are certainly lower, that's 1.3 lower. But Another thing also to keep in mind uh, with Randall, a big thing with him, his assist percentage is down too because guys are just not making shots. Takes two to tango here. Uh, Again, the steals, it's in line. The blocks, he's doing slightly better, but it's really irrelevant. Same thing pretty much with turnovers where Mm -hmm. he's better this year. He's better than that 16 games by 0.1. And then the shooting splits are 44.8, 37.8, 80.4. It's the exact same three-point shooting. It is pretty much, uh, he's actually doing better in the 16 games by 0.7 uh, from the from the free throw line. It's the field where he's struggling by 2.6 and the true shooting, which is 56.5. He's struggling there by 1.6. So w- what does all this mean? Because I've thrown a lot of numbers. It means that he's actually turning it around on the offensive end. It just doesn't feel like it because each bad game reinforces his the first half of this season which were putrid outside of that first Celtics game. So he is coming back from this God awful slump. It just doesn't really feel like it. And I, I, the reason I wanted to bring him up is because if I'm going to put him in the doghouse and say, well, it's not fair because he still did play kind of well this week. 
then I think it's only fair to justify why he played well and how well he's been doing. So is he a long-term option? Probably not. Is he the best option Knicks have? Probably not. Um, would I still like to see him start and then get the quick hook and bring Grimes in? 100%. But he's doing better. And I just, I want that to be reinforced here because I, I know we're blessed with a lot of people who listen to this podcast. And I want one of the things that you take away from this is Evan Fournier is showing meaningful production. He's not there yet, but it's actually improved. So that's all I'll say. And uh, and just, you know, a quick word on the defense. Like he he's, he's gotten, he's gotten the, the shaft um from a lot of people with, with how he's he's performing on the defense and again it is deserved mm-hmm. um just going back and like you know it's there are some moments where it's just the the lack of intensity stands out and that's a real thing but it's also just confusion um and guys not being where they're supposed to be and two guys going to the same guy and leaving somebody else open like and he's a victim of that a lot as probably as much as anyone. And I wonder how much of that is new system, new team, the whole thing um, guys getting adjusted to each other because it, you know, I, I don't know. I, I I'm curious to see how the defense looks 20, 30 games from now. That's all I want to say. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, now to the best part of the show. The part that I should have 100% won this week, but whatever. I, I didn't. I mean, so you, Thank you. You didn't. I, right, but you know that the Wizards game should have been a win. I don't know anything. I know no, that you, I picked two and one and they went two and one. You do, but you're being smug. <clears throat> so I now... But you wear that well. I do wear it very well. Um, I, I now have the lead in, on the season, uh, five to four. Um, that said, this is a tough week. This is a tough week to predict. So shall we go through it? So uh, first of all, special announcement. Um, so for shout out to all of our uh, patrons uh, who have been just patrons, first of all, thank you for that. But also those of us, uh, those of you who have been joining us for uh, the live playback watch along. So again, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, we've hooked up with a company called Playback that allows us to um, watch Knicks games along with you at home if you would like to do that. And uh, myself and Andrew and Jeremy and, um, you know, uh, has Chris been on stage? Maybe the game that I wasn't there. No, we'll get Chris nope. involved. We'll get Chris up on stage one of these days. Um, 
anyway, so we're up there on stage and you hear us bantering about the game as it's happening. Um, and there's a live chat and like the whole thing. It's a lot of fun. So this week's playback live watch along will be on um, Wednesday against the Pistons um, on the road against the Pistons team that I don't know who they're going to have because they just put a bunch more players into health and safety protocols, but we'll see. Um, okay. So that is a thing. Um, the four games. So at Minnesota, Tuesday, at Detroit, Wednesday, at Oklahoma City, the feisty Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, that is on Thursday. And then one week from as we are recording this right now um, at the Toronto Raptors. That's a Sunday afternoon game the day after New Year's Day. Real quick, <sighs> the Thunder game is on Friday. It's on New Year's Eve. Oh, what did I say? Thursday? You said Thursday. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, th- three games in a row would be a little cruel. Um, just a bit. Um, okay. It's a New Year's Eve it. game? Yeah, it's a New Year's Eve game. <laughs> it was a New Year's Eve ga- uh, game last year. It was against yeah, the Raptors. Yeah. It was the worst way to end a year. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was the worst three-point shooting percentage by a single game or single team in a single game ever. Oh, that's so. right. They hit like five threes? Five out of like... Uh, I think it was, yeah. Oh, Maybe the last, I don't even know. Wasn't it, was it three? Wasn't it like Maybe three it was for three. 37? Maybe it was yeah. Th- th- yeah, it was three for 32. You're right. Um, okay. It was 8.3%. That much I remember. It's three for 36. Yeah. Three for 36. That's bad. There you go. Okay. Um, hmm. So you're, <clears throat> I mean, the easy way to go here is to go three and one. And then you're going to take four and oh. And I, I like, I think you're going to feel good about taking four and oh. Are you asking me or telling me? I, I, I'm, 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 I'm thought processing this. Okay. Quick scoreboard update. The Pistons are losing at halftime at time of recording to the Spurs, uh, 78 to 54. And the Raptors, their next Sunday opponent lost 144 to 99 to the Cavaliers tonight. That game was, I watched a lot, pretty much the whole first quarter of that game. That game was close after one. Yeah. This is just continues to string. And you'll know this if you're a patron from our, our pods talking about the general NBA. This string of the Cavaliers just blowing everybody out has actually been pretty incredible. Their net rating is going to be up. I was about over to say this tonight. Yeah. Well, they're, no, they're, they're already the fourth. They're already over rating. six. What's that? Is it already over six? It'll be over six after night, but they were already fourth in the league before. Right, it's the best in the East. My point was like, it's yeah. just going to continue getting higher is my this point. Is insane. Yes. And but, Although the yeah. Raptors had, I don't even know any of the players who are in the starting five. I, yes. I, mean, I, I do, know. but I don't, you know, it's that's it, credit to the Cavs this whole season, but this game was just crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, try, see, you know what he's doing, Andrew? He's trying to talk me into taking four and oh, so he can mm-hmm. take three and one. Mm, maybe. You could look like a fool. You, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna I'm going three and one, and I will be fucking thrilled if you come back and tie it up five five to five through ten weeks. I'm taking. I'm going three and one. Oh, okay, interesting. Um, you read me wrong. Are you really going two and two? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to go two and two. It's not that I don't believe in this team. It's that as wow. I learned from last week, the margin of error for undefeated is really tough. And uh, listen. I think that this team plays better on the road. I would have taken three and one if I had first dibs, but I did not. Uh, so as a result, I'm going to go two and two because again, if the Raptors are healthy 
if the Thunder decide to surprise the Knicks and do a very good job of it. Thunder surprised a lot of teams. Yeah. You know, maybe the Timberwolves come out of nowhere and shock the Knicks and it sucks. So I'm going to roll with two and two. Hope I'm wrong, but also not really. (laughs) I got to tell you, I'm, I rarely am. I really shocked on this show. I'm, I'm pretty shocked just because the wolves are without, Oh, I'm Kat. aware of the, the context. Yeah, they're without Cat Edwards and, and I believe D'Angelo Russell, although I don't know if that, that's a good or a bad thing. The Pistons we just talked about. The Thunder are the one team that is whole and like they they've they've been good. Well, not good. They've been they can they can beat a team, you know. But this um, is why I would have done three and one. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I got you. Well, I to the victor goes the spoils. Okay. Um Andrew, anything before we finish up here? So a couple things, actually. Um, first of all, if everybody missed it on the post game yesterday, I just want to take a couple minutes. Uh, I mentioned, I said it on Twitter that uh, my dad tested positive for COVID on Christmas Eve, and just wanted to give everybody on the pod audience that didn't listen to the post game pod from Christmas Day an update. He's doing better. Uh, he still has a lot of symptoms. He uh, the he quoted the Fresh Prince, one of our favorite shows. Um, he feels like he swallowed a weed whacker. So, and he added the line without anesthesia. So, uh, once again, proving COVID not a cold or a flu, it actually can seem to be worse, LeBron James. Um, so, I just, once again, everybody that reached out, thank you from behalf of me and Pastor Claudio's Obihive. Um, we really appreciate all your thoughts and well wishes throughout this weekend. And then an uplifting second note of Producers Corner. So if you have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home, you can leave now. You can get off the pod. We'll be you back should tomorrow. Leave now. You should and go safely see <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home in the theater that adheres to all protocols and be safe about it, whatever you're comfortable with. Having said that, John and Jeremy have been hinting and talking about this movie and people in watch, uh, watch party chats and uh, other places have wanted to hear their thoughts. I did a whole podcast, so I'm out on Spidey thoughts, but I now, since I missed last week, want to talk to you guys about this movie. So spoilers and all, what did you guys think of Spider-Man? No way home. Um, I'll just say very briefly that I uh, I loved it. I adored it. Um, I think uh, it it clearly goes into the I don't know about the, the upper upper echelon of MCU movies because that's a I mean the, the upper ech- what's it, what's that it's high praise the, yeah, upper, the upper, upper upper echelon, echelon are the movies that like I put on while I'm writing and I need something in the background like at you know one in the morning it, I and I, I'll put Infinity War on like every you know, fifth week or something. And Can I, I challenge you to name what you put above it right now. So for me, in, Infinity War and Endgame kind of occupy their own. So that's one uh, and two. And then, and then Winter Soldier. Those are the only three that I have clearly. Okay. Um, but this, but this to me falls into the next group. I loved it that much. Um, it, Jeremy. That was phenomenal. Like I was expecting it to be great because I saw it on Monday. And so people had, ample time to see it and fortunately I avoided any and all I was spoilers. Say, you said on the pod that you were avoiding spoilers. Did you successfully avoid spoilers? I did. Nothing. You Good. You know, fortunately uh, there are pe- people who would say spoiler alert or the moment I would see something like Peter Parker just quickly 
flip up and or scroll and not have to see it, which is great. But no, I, I just, you know, I knew, I figured as much that they would be bringing Toby and mm-hmm. Andrew together. And that was really fun. I, I will say from a personal note, you know, I mean, Aunt May's, I mean, we're at the past the spoiler point. Yeah, so yeah. Here, you know, Aunt May's death uh, was obviously very impactful, but it was the sort of thing where personally, you know, in, in the past month of trying to mm. still um, emotionally kind of heal from my own grandfather's passing. And I, I was in a very similar situation where he was right in her position, mm. although not killed by in, in that sense. Um, but, but there and, and kind of holding his hand and, and trying to just collect myself. And so it, it it hit me harder than I thought I was playing mm. for it, but oh, I'm wow. so happy that the scene that followed it was introducing Andrew and Toby because it was brilliant how they were able to do that. Just one of the soul crushing moments to like, Hey, here's something to just be absolutely joyful about. And then kind of them working together. I thought it seemed improv at least, but the banter that they had on top of the statue of Liberty, it just like, it brought so much happiness from seeing them all kind of uniting. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you in that. I don't think it's quite in my top tier. I think that's probably Endgame and infinity war and maybe Ragnarok. And then mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of probably that, winter soldier. A lot of people are Ragnarok there. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's right there. It's the best Marvel I saw this year with Shang-Chi and WandaVision below that. And oh, the Hawkeyes, it's closer. I loved the the post credits of Hawkeye. I thought that was even, even better on rewatch. Yeah, uh, exactly. Hawkeye. Hawkeye was, uh, Hawkeye's very good. John, say what you did this week. Well, I don't know if I'll get you in trouble, but <laughs> no, John, listen, go ahead, say it. No, listen. The, the, by by Thursday, uh, so I, for anybody who doesn't know, I, I still do have a day job working at a school, and uh, more than half the staff had had called out sick the last couple of days before Christmas break. I did not, of course, and the students. Student population had dwindled to like, I, I don't even know what it was to the point where they were combining whole grades in classrooms and like they were just assigning teachers to, to different classrooms. So it's not like you were expected. You could not teach a class because it was not your class. It was not your students. It was just like you were put into a room with kids. It was it was there was no there's no misconceptions about what was going to be happening. This was like movie day. This is the last day before Christmas break. Let's, let's watch something. So I asked the kids what they want to do and. We we watched all six episodes of Hawkeye, which for me was a rewatch, and it was even better the second time. John's um, the cool teacher, Jeremy. Oh, I know. Just <laughs> the cool teacher. Just real quick, two other thoughts on on uh, uh, No Way Home. One, um, shout out to I'm not I, f- I should n- know who wrote it, but it was a piece on the Ringer this week that I, I forwarded to our group text. Joanna Robertson. Joanna Robinson wrote it. Thank you. Um, about appreciating Andrew Garfield's uh, Spider Man slash Peter Parker. I I've I've been dying on this hill for for many a year. How much I mm-hmm. love love him in that role, and I'm happy that it's it's uh, getting some appreciation. And I do agree with her that you you could argue that he was the best part of the movie. Um, and then the the second thing I'll say, and this is to something also that we were discussing offline. It was uh, the a Hollywood I think it was a Hollywood Reporter article which basically got who's the Sony chief the uh, Amy Pascal. Thank you. Amy Pascal was on record. Uh, Kevin Feige was on record. Um, uh, who's the, I got him escaping me. Who's the lead of the f- 
the movie. Tom Holland? Tom Holland, thank you. Yes. Tom Holland was on record. They had someone else. And basically, it was a long-form pitch to get this thing nominated for Best Picture. And I thought some of the points made within the, the piece, which is like, it's like people think that these movies are easy to make. These movies are fucking hard to make good. And when you're tying together eight, how, when the, not eight, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, eight movies that came before <laughs> You know, um, it, it's just and to do it this well and to have the emotional payoffs and the whole thing like, yes, reward the film that deserves to be rewarded. And oh, by the way, it'll save your your fucking broadcast. That nobody wants to watch anymore. So, you know, again, not that that's why they should do it, but nice side perk. But at least Marvel takes risks. Yes, yeah. I feel like film studios, they just look at it as crunching numbers and they try to say, oh, well, a remake we know can make us more money because we know it's that people resonate with that and they love it and they just play it safe. And with this, you know, I was thinking because I was talking with my parents about it and they are not into Marvel, but I was saying how much I loved the movie and they were saying, oh, well, do we have to see all the others to appreciate it? And I was thinking about it. It's like, well, you don't need to know all of the others, but there's so much that you need to know because you need to go back to the first two of Spider-Man and it'd be helpful to see the other Spider-Man movies. And then you need to know what the blip is, which brings you to infinity war and end game. But yeah. then how do you get to there? You got to <laughs> watch some of the other, it just all ties in together, which I think is brilliant. It's also really difficult if you're getting into it and, and care a little bit about it and don't just want to see a, a movie one off, but as you're saying, how they tied everything into it, there's, I some magic involved with that. <laughs> and it's funny hearing you say that. It, it, and then we can end it after this. Is I think if it doesn't get nominated, and I actually think it has, I think Bernard, before the article came out, he put it at 10%. I would imagine yeah. he would probably up that now. Um, that may, maybe not. I don't know. I'll, 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 we'll have to ask him. The, um, the thing about Best Picture this year is like because nothing made money like in pa in the past it'd be like okay well west side story did well and dune did, did did good relatively but not to the point where you could say it's a surefire best picture nomination although i think at this point it might be there are other things that would have done well at the box office that you could say well then the superhero stuff you can't even count spider-man like within one hour of opening <laughs> might do the rest of the best picture nominees. So it almost isn't even that it should, whether or not it's merited to get best picture. It might have to just so people will watch I, this broadcast. So that way they have seen a movie that was nominated this year. Don't yes. tell that to Robert De Niro. Which no, Scorsese's the one. Scorsese's the one. Yeah, Scorsese. So I think, and it, this ties together with the point I was about to make, which is like, Hearing you talk about like, do you need to see these other movies? That part of it reinforces the notion that to some people, this is less a movie and more of a giant marketing scheme to get your money. And it's a really, 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 really well done marketing scheme. But like, you know, like it, it's, it all ties together and like the people and, and let's say your, your, your folks go see it and they're like, oh, I actually would like to now go see these other films and like, you know, let's let's get the old Disney Plus fired up. Um, I I just you mentioned Dune. And the last thing I want to say, if that fucking movie gets nominated, <laughs> no, which is the most beautiful thing you'll ever see, and has uh -huh. and there has been more character development on this podcast than there was in that film. 
if that gets nominated, then why the hell can't No Way Home? I agree. Come on. I agree. I would, especially now that the Oscars changed the rules and now there has to be 10, there's no longer, like the preferential ballot is still how they vote, but now that they're making sure 10 get in, like what's the point in nominating them? Like Oz has been talking about this movie called Come On, Come On with Joaquin Phoenix. I'm sure from a quality level, I would get more out of if I watched it. But I'm to Jeremy's point, like that moment hits you when with Aunt May. Yash wrote an article on the invention of dreams, introducing a completely different perspective on No Way Home from a public defender's position and from his vantage point that completely has made this movie go up a level. And to also plug Invention of Dreams for my co-host Oz, his piece on this movie added another level where it's like all the Spider-Man movies are now canon in the MCU. We now know the ending of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man because of the line that's in this movie, not the god-awful Spider-Man 3. We now know how Andrew Garfield Spider-Man is dealing with the grief of what happened with Gwen Stacy, not because of the uh, mixed in reaction specifically to two people on this podcast, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. No, um, that is nobody no likes that movie except me. Except John Macri. Um, <laughs> that's no longer the conclusion to that story arc. It's now him saving MJ in No Way Home and how he processed it. It the ambition of what Marvel set out to do with this should have gone completely wrong and they hit a home run. And if that isn't worthy of being nominated with the other great things that came out this year, then maybe we'll just put the Oscars on Twitter and that's the only way people will pay attention to them. Uh, Yeah. I was about to say like, it's um, at the end of the day, this is a fake Award, I mean, it's it's an award show. It, well, yeah. Whatever you know, we're applying value to things that don't necessarily matter. You know, yeah. Let's let's maybe have some fun with it. All right, that's all. That's all I wanted to say. Um, good, 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 good talk, guys. I like this. Yeah, uh, Andrew. Anything else from you? That is it. Thank you for indulging me in movie talk. And um, oh, well, this is the last pod the three of us will record before twenty twenty two. So happy New Year to the both of you. And you know, we'll be back. We got some Patreon stuff playing this week between the watch party and a uh, town hall. Um, and just to all of our listeners, thank you for the support this year. We greatly appreciate it. Um, yes. Thank you, everybody. Um, ha- happy early new year. I'll save my new, new year's resolution for uh, when I do the last, last pod of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy, thank you, sir. Anything to plug or promote from you? Happy new year. And uh Die hard with a vengeance till I die. It's the hill I'll I will ju- die hard on. <laughs> I'll just say if you if you want more movie talk, go check out uh Andrew Claudio's podcast with Bernardo Zaraski, final review. It's it's awesome. Um and I um cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh Jeremy, thank you as always. And uh of course, everybody out there, thank you for checking out another episode of the next film school podcast. We will be back with you with more fun and games very soon. 